2: Hey, welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at the Europa League Conference League qualifiers. The Europa Conference League, sorry, qualifiers. There's 44 teams still left in the competition tomorrow. Coming up, Rapid Vienna against Fiorentina. Dinamo Kiev against Besiktas is on the slate. Today, though, uh, a lot will be watching the competition's favourites in the early-going Aston Villa on the road to face Hibernian at Easter Road. Your former club, Nige. Over 100 appearances you made for Aston Villa. How many goals? One?
3: Wow. Puppy, I was a <laughs> midfield general, okay? Goal scoring wasn't my responsibility. I was about seeing danger, breaking up play, kicking a few people.
4: You know what, that's a lot you more know. than I had this in the team. Premier
3: League. So. I, I was I was, I was, was the heartbeat and the engine, yeah. you know, the spine, strong spine. You would get a goal though, right? I could get a goal if tell, I was allowed to get Tell us about the one. What was the one? The one what? The one goal. goal. Do
2: you remember? Oh,
3: I remember a good one. It's against Tottenham. I know we've got a Tottenham fan here somewhere, but yeah, it was against Tottenham. <laughs> Came in the back post. Oh, it was good fun.
2: Nice Hold on, You didn't even mention head it head was you... my
3: other old club who won this competition. You didn't yes. get shout out to West, West Ham. Ham. There yeah. you go, Claret and Blue.
2: Yeah, you made over a hundred. You even Nigel even had a tifo actually at West Ham, didn't you? you yes. Made, they made a big tifo for you in the stadium. So yes. that's pretty cool. Yes, they did. Yeah. Well, a Put some, with respect us. <laughs> <laughs> some respect on
3: my okay,
4: name. Okay,
2: so how about Aston Villa then and the way that they finished last season? Because they were immense under Unai Emery towards the end. I think only Manchester City had a better record in the Premier League from February to the end of the season than Aston Villa. Obviously, that got them now into Europe. With Unai Emery, who's a bit of a European specialist, what are you expecting from them this season?
3: Oh, great things. You know, uh, for me, Diaby is an absolute statement signing. And I know the first game of the season they lost against Newcastle United and he was sensational. You can see the talent and why so many top clubs were after this young star and he started brilliant for them. But Unai Emery, for me, has gone into a club where everything suits him. You know, Aston Villa were a project rebuilding and they've seen the manager and what he did in that second half of the season when he took over from Steven Gerrard was just sensational. You know, you could actually see it in tactically, the setup of the team, how he's got his team set up, very similar to his time at Villarreal. And um, he's just literally got them so well-organized. That's the biggest thing. They're such a well-organized team. They've got the freedom to go out there and express themselves and play. And we're seeing that in the likes of Diaby, Leon Bailey, uh, Watkins up top. And it's just so great to watch. They absolutely dismantled Everton this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The style of play is phenomenal. The fans love it. But, there's always a but popping. <laughs> they <laughs> live themselves very vulnerable with the high line that he plays. But that's his style of play. Tyrone Mings is out now for the season with, uh, I think it's an ACL that he Mm -hmm. had. And that's going to be a big loss because he's not only a natural-born leader at the back, but he's also someone that you can use for set pieces. You know, he's a real threat for set pieces for Villa. Um, But they're expecting some big things. I mean, Unai Emre has got Villa playing the Unai Emre way.
1: I do think that Pau Torres coming into that back line is a big addition. He's a solid player with big European experience. So I think they'll be fine from a defensive point of view. I, I do kind of wonder, though, because you mentioned the positive elements of the performance of the weekend against Everton. We back to the opening day. They got smashed by Newcastle. And Newcastle, I think, found some of the vulnerabilities in that high line. line. It was the yeah, line. And, 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 okay. the, and the pace to find him behind. I'm not sure that Hibbs is the team to take advantage of that. I think Aston Villa would probably be pretty comfortable. But, yeah, you can, you can only give them credit. Unai Emery not only coming in last year to a team that was probably heading towards a relegation dogfight. You're wondering, wait a second, Unai Emery is coming from winning European titles in Spain is he ever going to get to European football with Aston Villa? Whoa, whoa, did,
3: whoa, whoa. Hey, I mean, they were in 15th. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be careful how you talk about Aston Villa. <laughs> they were in 15th here. at the time. <laughs> he takes over. European, European Cup I winners. They of course. Aston Villa. They're, they're a very big club. You know, but there's I another think... club like Forest too that's quite big. But it's I not thought they were going to go Villa. down before Forest did. <laughs> that's for sure. Let's, let's put some respect on Aston Villa there. I
1: think it only underscores the job that he did because you're wondering, wait, so he, he's going to take over this team and take them where? And... From day one, he's taken them sky-high up, up to European football. They were the fifth-best team in the Premier League by results yeah. from the day that he took over. It's a remarkable turnaround from within a season. And now, really, the question is, how do you balance playing both European football and in the league the when you lose two key players? I depth. think they were they were building some depth. But then you immediately have to bring it to the fore because you have two big injuries at the start of the well, season. Well, they
2: have right. got a couple as well. Zaniolo is expected to make his mm-hmm. debut today for Villa. But it feels like this is Unai Emery's forte, isn't it? He Three with Sevilla, one with Villarreal as well. So he's done it with a lot of different teams.
4: Yeah, I think I, I do think the injuries will be interesting to how he manages that with two different competitions happening at the same time. Ming's is a big, it's a really big loss for for this squad, especially if you do want to play a high line. Do you not think he's going to adapt at all? You think he's still going to say, "Hey, we're going to play."
0: The, Do they have when, the
4: firepower going forward, I, I guess yes. is the question, with Aston Villa, that they can score multiple goals? Because if you play that high line, you were playing with fire and saying, all right, we might give up a really easy counter goal. We have to score multiple goals to win every single game.
3: Well, no, they've, they've definitely got the firepower. I think when you look at, again, the performances of what you see and how they play, even against Newcastle, yes, they lost that game. But they played so well, they even Sir Alex Ferguson gave them a compliment on the style of play and Ooh. how they are. The fans are so excited about what they're seeing from this Aston Villa sign. You see Watkins there for me. Again, Diaby, Bailey, we've got the young Colombian who John Duran, who came yeah, on, came on pre- pressed to, to, to win to score a well. goal, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, speaking to friends at Aston Villa, they've told me that Unai Emery paid so much attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. else is, that's your job, you do it. He's all about the football, him and his staff, and you can see by how the players play. The organisation defensively, when they're out of position, possession, how they defend, they're so comfortable in knowing what they have to do, the positions they have to pick up, and when they win the ball, They go like that. So they they, they can play great counter-attacking football with the players that he has at his disposal Obviously, well. they've
2: still got a way to go to get into the group stage for this Europa Conference League, and then we'll see who drops down out of the Europa League. But are they the favourites to win this, Jordan, for you? Because on paper, they're uh, the favourites. Yeah, I think I, I picked them in our, our um, did CBS you? <laughs> yeah. to, to oh, win it all. 80% of the staff did. What was my to that? It so it was the best thing we've we, we had to pick a winner for every single league, and the winner of the whole thing gets a week vacation. Yeah.
3: Oh, I wasn't invited to that then, other. Yeah. That That grand They draw. looked at
2: your betting record from uh, the past uh, when, we CBS <laughs> <laughs> when we did it. That it was better than She doesn't oh. mention that, right? I hope finish bottom, but it's okay. She always okay. deflects it. She yeah. doesn't <laughs> somebody else not bottom. You were bottom. I wasn't bottom. You were like a 10-game losing streak. I have you know no idea not what year them you're, them on you're on talking
4: Because this could go forever. <laughs> it, Aston Villa, I think what you're saying with Emery, too, is... It's so easy to come into a team as well if you're a player when the coach has that kind of structure. When the coach is so details oriented, because then you you can pick everything up so quickly, and that's why I think some of these players have been integrated seamlessly. Yeah. It, he, what he did in the second half of season with this squad, also makes you as a player want to be a part of that. And this is going to be a fun season to watch them. Uh, just. It's- I'll, I'll thrilling, a... I think, on both sides of the ball. yeah because you think
3: it's, it's the, the football. it's just so exciting and it's fun and that's what players will be driven to. The success, mm-hmm. yes is there. but when you look at the style of play, you just want to get them to play football. he gives them the freedom you know defensively, he makes them organize, he structures them, gets them to understand defending, seeing danger and all that but then he gives them the freedom to go there and express themselves, wants them to move the ball quickly. Compact, organised, and let's not forget, it's a homecoming for Captain John McGinn, who's a absolutely been night for him. sensational <laughs> for Aston Villa as well. Really great yeah. guy. Got to meet uh, some of the squad when I uh, watch them play in Orlando against Fulham. Oh. I think they're definitely favourites to, to win this competition. Yeah, John
2: way. McGinn helped Hibbs get promoted to the yes. Scottish Premiership, didn't he? And now to go back there to play with yeah. Aston Villa on a European night.
3: And just, the, and just the simple reality,
1: really, of this competition is that any English side that enters the competition is going to be the best resourced. And you look at the transfer window that Villa is in the middle of, Diaby, Zaniolo, they're bringing in some top-level players. They will have the best squad in the competition, so you have to simply make them favorites. It's
3: balancing that, though, between that and the Premier League. You know, experiencing yes. that as a player, it does get to and get straining. Playing on every Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday. It That's does. what we
2: saw with West Ham last year as well. Yep. It cost them at one point, didn't it? David Moyes with the decision to make. Which uh, team does he go full strength for on a European night or in the Premier League? Let's see what Unai Emery, the European mastermind, does today at Easter Road. Stay with us. Ali is back with your headlines here on Morning Footy after this short break. do move. Hey, welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's a look at Wednesday's footy fix. Mulder against Galatasaray in the Champions League qualifiers coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus and the Glasso Network, but a lot to look forward to with Leo Messi and Inter Miami taking on FC Cincinnati in the semi-final of the Open Cup at 7 o'clock on the Glasso Network, followed by RSL against the Houston Dynamo at 9.30.
5: Uh, Ali, what's the latest headlines? What have you got for us so far today? Well, Papi, the Manchester United sales saga may be coming to a close as reports confirm that the Glazers have accepted Sheik Jassim's offer for the club. The deal is reported to be around $7.6 billion and is expected to close in mid-October, making Manchester United the only Qatari-owned team in the Premier League. From the Red Devils to the Reds, Alexis McAllister and Liverpool have won their appeal against the red card shown to the midfielder in his match against Bournemouth on Saturday. The midfielder was set to miss the next three matches for the direct red but will now be available to play against Newcastle, Aston Villa, and Wolves. And according to multiple reports, Sheffield United have reached an agreement with Aston Villa uh, for 21-year-old striker Cameron Archer. The transfer fee is reported to be around $22.7 million dollars Archer had a successful loan spell at Middlesbrough last season, scoring 11 goals and providing six assists in 23 appearances. And the Spanish Football Federation released a statement yesterday announcing that an emergency meeting will be held on Friday to discuss the events that unfolded during the Women's World Cup trophy ceremony. During the ceremony, Federation President Luis Rubiales gave Ginny Hermoso an unwanted kiss that sparked worldwide backlash. Rubiales later apologized for the gesture, but an increasing number of Spanish political figures have criticized Rubiales' behavior, including Acting Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez, who stated that the Federation president's apology is, quote, not enough. And US Women's National Team Captain Lindsey Horan discussed what she thinks went wrong for the US at the World Cup on the recap show hosted by Kristen Press and Tobin Heath. Horan explained that she didn't feel the team was set up for success. She went on to speak about the match against Sweden in the round of 16 stating the game against Sweden. I don't think we were necessarily set up to play the way that we played. That was just us finally coming together and being like this is what we're going to do. So some pretty uh, strong words from Lindsey Horan there saying, Jordan, I think what a lot of us felt and and saw watching this team, but when you saw those comments, what, what came to mind to you? What was your reaction to what she said?
4: I wasn't surprised in a way because I felt like this U.S. Women's National Team, we knew that they could play better. And when they came out against Sweden in a different structure that set A lot of other players, a lot of players up for success, the wingers were more productive. Andy Sullivan, Lindsay Horan were more productive when they played a little bit deeper. I think that's where I'm like, the, the coach can set you up, but also these players are amazing footballers. That they had the ability to be amazing this whole time, to play with this joy, it doesn't surprise me. She's the captain. As the captain, you have to bear a lot of burden. And some of that has to do with uniting the squad but some of it has to do with saying hey how can we be the best on the field how can we make the decisions that are going to help us succeed and you know i thought it was i thought she handled herself throughout the whole tournament very well especially after the game after that loss i know she ta- has talked about in the last couple of weeks how she can't stop thinking about it how they could have been more brave how they could have been better in those moments how she as the captain could have been better so i it, that makes me realize that okay this was a player driven decision
2: to change um that takes a lot though doesn't it for the players to decide actually we're not going to play like that it's happened before though do our own thing
1: but when when was this decided was this because you said and a lot of people said that the united states performance against sweden was much better than previous performances of the tournament it was and if we're saying that that's player driven so does vlako and give a team talk before the game and then then he leaves, their own. the players get together like, this is what we're actually going to do. And, and and this is how they succeeded in the game. I think it's fairly stunning to hear the U.S. women's national team captain go, we basically tossed out everything that our coach gave us as direction in the trash and said, this is how we're going to play. But it
4: wasn't working. So so are you going to go into the biggest game that you had played yet? You had They had to win this game. They were not convincing in the three games of the group stage. Were you going to go in and say, I don't know. I don't know if this was a decision that Lindsay went to Vlatko and said, hey, we, we need to change. And then it was implemented in, we we don't know. Like, from that, we don't have any idea when this How was actually say, made. I mean,
2: you've been with the U.S. Women's National Team. They're a strong group of women. How much yes. say do you think that they have throughout the tournament? Or do you think it was just in that game where they said, enough now. We, we want to play like this. You're not playing as our strengths.
4: I think that they like clearly didn't have say until that moment where they made a decision. I would go back to 2015 though, because I've talked about this throughout the whole World Cup is this was a team who didn't play well in 2015 in the group stage. They made some changes going into the knockout rounds. And I think from my understanding, some of those were player driven saying, hey, we have to adapt. We have to be better when we go into these knockout rounds. So that's why for me, it doesn't surprise me that the players were like, hey, this isn't working. Mm -hmm. We need to be better. We need to find, be successful in these moments. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot to put that out there, too. I think that's the big thing, to put it out there and say... Would she have put it out there if Latko was still the head coach of the U.S.? I don't think so, because I know Lindsay very well, and I know how respectful she is to her, uh, someone leading her. What do you think, And Nigel's just smiling.
3: I, I'm because <laughs> I, I know Poppy's looking at me thinking, yeah, Nigel's got something up his sleeve, yeah. <laughs> but I'm backing Lindsay? I'm backing mm-hmm. Lindsay. Not every manager or every coach you see out there is a good manager or a good coach. Mm-hmm. We've, I've done that in my career before as captain, and the players do come along because the reality of it is if we can see as players what's going on and how we're so-called being told to play and it's not working, we take full command of that. you know. And it's happened before. It's something that does go on where... If players don't really truly believe in the manager, they will take it into their own hands. But
2: I suppose well, it's easy to say, we want to play this different style of play. So he's still selecting the team and then they're thinking, okay, well, we're not actually going to play as you want. We're going to play. But how much say do you think they had in the personnel? Because that was another thing that Vlatko was heavily scrutinized for was the players that he was putting in the 11. Well,
4: I don't think that the personnel, they had any say, but right. the way that they were set up in that Sweden game allowed their personnel to be better. Sophia Smith was off the back line, uh, um, Trinity or Lynn Williams was off the back line, so they could receive the ball and dribble at players. That's when they're successful. So even that tweak, it didn't matter what wingers they had. That tweak for all the wingers on the U.S. Women's National Team was all they needed to connect the back line to the front line and then get after teams. But that's not a personnel thing. That's a tactics thing. That's how you want to pick up the ball and how you want to move forward. I think it's brave of Lindsay. I also back her and what she's saying. And I do think I do think there are times as a player, if you are at the highest level, you, have, you know the game. Yeah. you know how to play the game. If you're not adjusting on the fly in the game, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And I feel like, unfortunately, that's what this U.S. women's team feels like, is we
2: should have adapted ourselves before that point. Well, it's a lot of changes coming for yeah. this team now. Vlatko has departed and no more uh, Kate Markraff as well. So it feels like a big change for U.S. soccer on the women's side ahead of the Paris Olympics that's coming up. OK, stay with us. Up next here on Morning Footy, Felipe Cardenas is going to join us to look ahead to the big Open Cup semifinal tonight between Cincinnati and Inter-Miami. We'll be right back. So four teams just one match away from the U.S. Open Cup final. We're looking forward to tonight. It gets started with Cincinnati against Inter Miami at 7 o'clock Eastern. And coverage with Jordan begins at <laughs> 6 Eastern. And then Houston Dynamo taking on at Real Salt Lake at 9.30 Eastern to conclude tonight's action. And for more on these games, our very own Felipe Cardenas joins us now. Felipe, good morning. Good to see you. What are you expecting tonight from Messi? Is it Messi? I was going to say Miami, but I guess from Messi as well. Is it going to be in the, the same, same, maybe? Miami and Messi that we've seen lately again tonight.
0: I think so. Uh, you know, they're they're in a rhythm. I said it yesterday on, on box to box. You know, I, I know they've played a lot of games. Tata Martino sort of putting it out there that he thinks his team may show some signs of fatigue in this match. It's it's natural. Uh, but but they're they're flowing they're flying they're winning and you know winning is contagious and I think that's that's what Miami needed that's what Lionel Messi has done for this club just bringing that men, that winning mentality obviously Tata Martino need getting a lot of credit as well stepping in it, into a really difficult situation and, and look where they are I mean they, this obviously Phil Neville and his previous staff got them to this to this point to the semifinal uh, but now it's 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 his new regime and and one of the best players of all time. Uh, just a game away from playing for another final. So, again, I know you guys talked about it. You know, what does the FC Cincinnati do? Do they change? Do they go to a back four? You know, F- Philly played in a 3-5-2 in a diamond. That back three really got exposed early. Uh, and the one thing that I'll say is, you know, Tata Martino was really open about this. He said, it's it's hard to play against us. And, and, and it's not because they're just such a great team. You know, they have great players. But it just takes so much concentration from the other from the other side that you're not only thinking about your ideas your philosophy your tactics but you need to be locked in for 90 Minutes plus to try to just limit Messi, Busquets, and Alba from doing what they do, and so I think that's the biggest challenge. And and we compare this team, Cincinnati, to Nashville a lot. I think there are some similarities. What Nashville did really well was that they just were not starstruck, and that's what uh, Gary Smith said after that loss that you know emotionally the team was ready for it. So that's the challenge for FC Cincinnati.
1: But, Felipe, I think there's been some concerns going into this one about Lionel Messi even playing. Tata Martino put that to rest yesterday. But really just about how much Miami have to push in these last couple of months of the year. You have a cup semifinal today, potentially a cup final if they win tonight, 12 more MLS matches left to play, really in the space of about two months. How much more can they keep going here? Because if you look at, if they want to run the table and achieve everything they want to achieve, it's like 17 or 18 wins out of 21 (laughs) that they have to put together over the course of these next couple of months. How much do you think Miami will be pushing?
0: As much as they can. You know, I think that's why those three U-22 signings were so important. You know, Facundo Farias, uh, Toto Aviles and Diego Gomez, you know, they're not just players that that provide depth. They're young players. They're very capable players. And reports coming out of Miami yesterday are that one of those players, Facundo Farias and, and Toto Aviles, will probably debut tonight. And so that's 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 the big change I think we may see for Miami, just fresh legs and and, and more eagerness uh, to, just to sort of push the, the envelope a little bit. But you're right. Listen, I think they've been playing in a final since, since League's Cup started. Every game felt like that's what it was. It was an elimination game. Games are going to penalties and they're getting through. They're going to lose a game. I mean, they're going to they're going to lose games here with Messi on the pitch. It is inevitable, but you know, perhaps the the, the pressure of winning, you know, the, the fact that every game now is a do or die game. We talk about the stakes not being high enough in MLS all the time. Well, they've never been higher for Inter Miami. And and th- these last 12 games of the season are going to feel like finals. They're going to feel like League's Cup all over again. So if they can tap into that, and I remember, just what I said. You know, winning is contagious. Like, if they can just get wins and build momentum and stay healthy, uh, you know, they have a shot to get in the playoffs. Little Messi starting tonight—it's no surprise. I mean, it would be an absolute shocker if Messi and Martino came together and said, "Give me a rest." I mean, that's that's what it came down to. Martino saying, "I'm not resting this guy until he tells me it's okay to do so," and it's a semifinal. I think Messi now is is, is fully integrated into this team. He's getting to know his body in this league and they're going to go for it. They're in a, they're in a cup semifinals. There's nothing else they can do, but try to play.
4: Yeah, Philippa, you mentioned though earlier that this Miami squad is a little bit fatigued. That to me sets it up nicely for Cincinnati, who is a squad who can hit you pretty fast on the break. They've been good at home. What does it take from the Cincinnati squad or who has to be rolling tonight for them to get a victory at home against this Miami team?
0: Well, I think it's it's similar to what every opponent that Inter Miami has faced uh, has had to do. It's the midfield, and it's the back line, it's the fullbacks. You know, it's it's pretty basic stuff. Like, can those players be effective in both getting into the attack and limiting Inter Miami? I think the weakness for FC Cincinnati is the right side of their defense, uh, their their fullbacks, and just that that right center back. That you know, that's that's where uh, over fifty percent of the attacks for Inter Miami came f- came from uh, on their left side through Jordi Alba, and that final gets snatch. So, I think that they're going to target that side. Another thing I talked about on Box Box yesterday is what, what Benjamin Kramowski has been asked to do for Inter Miami, and, and that's limit the left side, the left fullback for each of their last three opponents. And FC Cincinnati has one of the best fullbacks in the league, and Alvaro Barreal, the Argentine, who's just trending way up, and he gets way up the field. His service is very, very important to what they do in the attack. And so, you're going to see Kramowski once again stuck to the end line, trying to limit that service and forcing Barreal to. To, to defend, you know, they, they will over, overload that left side and then switch sides over to Alba. Just It's, it's sort of what Inter Miami has, has come to do. So Cincinnati, I think, you know, can Brandon Vasquez find the ball? Can Lucho Acosta be effective as a number 10? Uh, you know, can he find space? You know, who's going to be the guy that tries to limit Sergio Busquets? Like, that's what I mean. There's a lot of responsibilities here that gets that get shared from the on the opponent when they face Inter-Miami. And you can get bogged down with your assignments and then forget to play. So I think, again, it's just FC Cincinnati needs to realize that they're at home. And one thing I said yesterday as well, and I mean, it, I think they're the team that's under pressure. They're, FC Cincinnati, I know they're, they don't have Messi, but they're the, they're the team that's trending up. They're, they're the best team in MLS. They're sitting uh, top of the table. Table just below St. Louis but they're expected to have titles this year and this is the first one that they're going for.
2: Mm-hmm. They have been so good haven't they in league play let's see if they can carry it on tonight against this stacked Miami side uh, elsewhere later on the match to follow Houston taking on RSL Houston coming in off that massive win Felipe RSL haven't played in some time now who do you give the edge to in that game?
0: I like Houston. I think this could be a bit of a slugfest. You know, Uh, the reason I like Houston is because they're coming off a game over the weekend where they won 5-0 over Portland. Uh, It led to Gio Savarese, Portland's head coach, getting dismissed, essentially. I think that gives any time you do that in your professional career, I think that gives you a lot of a, a, a lot of confidence when when you're coming off a, a huge win and and you're forcing teams to change their management. I think Houston is is in good form and you mentioned it, Poppy. You know, RSL, a good team, third in the Western Conference, scrappy. They will fight. They they have the same personality as Pablo Mastroeni, their head coach. But they haven't played since August eighth, and that that could either be an advantage or a disadvantage. I think you want to be playing games and you want to be winning games when you're heading into a big semifinal. So, I like Houston.
1: Now, Felipe, so much conversation about League's Cup in these last, in these last couple of weeks. No Liga MX sides in the final. What's the conversation now that their league is back underway? We saw Chivas win last night. América back in action tonight. What's been the conversation as sort of the backdrop for the continuation of the league season?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I still think the the sting of League's Cup is lingering, you know, and I think it's 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 moved on from how the League MX teams fared and now pundits, fans, are setting their sights on Mikel Arriola, League MX president, for, for for agreeing to this. It's his fault. They're saying he's the one that is is pushing MLS uh, to be better than League MX. He has brought these two leagues together. Uh, he's responsible. So I think that's that's where the fallout has begun. But you mentioned it that League MX is back and is back playing again, and the storylines on the pitch are, are Chivas, Chivas. You know, the top of the table, not a fluke. You know, uh, Panovic, Vlako Panovic you know, once again, uh, he he's there getting his side uh, to believe that they can be a big, big club again. And you mentioned Club America. They're facing coxa, And that's th- that's the other big storyline. You know, it's never it's an it's three games in. They're playing their fourth game, but it's never too early in Mexico to ask to, to put a coach on the hot seat. And now uh, Club America's Brazilian head coach Andre Jardine. Is is in hot water? They're bottom of the table right now, in, in 12th or 13th place, one win out of three. If you're watching Club of America play, they don't look like they the, like they, the the count. The, they, they don't look a confident side. They they have players yelling at each other. There's there, it's it's a big mess once again. And, and so that that's where the league is right now. Tigres second in the table. They're, they're they're cruising along. So it looks interesting that the two teams that made it to the final of league MX are top of the table, while the team that everyone expected to be way better, completely completely stacked team new signings new coach club america at the bottom so those are the storylines of league mx right now
2: yeah it's funny isn't it no one would have imagined that that would be the case at this point in the season felipe just before we let you go quick prediction for tonight do you think it's going to be an into miami win against cincinnati
0: Well, I predicted it or miami yesterday on Box to Box. It just slipped out. I wasn't trying to predict the win, so I've got to stick with it. I have to stick with it. I really like Cincinnati. I love what Pat Pat Noonan is doing. I've said it so many times on the show on Morning Footy. Probably one of the best coaches in America. Tons of, of potential just on his side alone. And this is going to be a team that I think is very well prepared for Miami. But I'm going to give Miami the edge. And like I said, I like Houston. Playing at home, in rhythm. And if, if those two teams win, you've got Inter-Miami hosting the U.S. Open Cup Final. And what did Jorge Mas say? He'll take it to Hard Rock if that happens.
2: <laughs> yeah. Nigel is loving this, by the way.
0: <laughs> no comment. on
2: your own, Felipe, though, with those picks. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the match tonight. We'll see you soon. Take care. All right, so they're just two of the games we've got coming up today. Stay with us coming up next here on Morning Footy. We'll look ahead to the rest of them. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Morning Footy. Well, this past weekend, Hakim Ziyech was given a spine-tingling welcome by 50,000 Galatasaray fans after completing his move from Chelsea. The Moroccan winger was officially unveiled by the faithful in this 2-0 win. What a special reveal that was. That's cool. I like the kit, too, the half-and-half. That one looks... So nice to emerge from the ultras like that. Nice. Did you ever have an unveiling like that?
3: It's nice to have a relationship with the ultras, but don't get too close or too comfortable. Because if you're not performing, they will <laughs> I'll
5: you tell yeah. they'll just tell make you. They'll tell you,
3: perform. right? <laughs> yeah. Do you know from
2: experience? <laughs>
3: uh, yes.
2: Uh, <laughs> you believe yeah. yeah. I, I, West Ham no?
3: people. No, I'm not. No, I knew really? people. You just don't have to know the right people. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Every footballer just know the right people. You're okay. okay.
1: But I, I feel like he will not be welcome in the capo stand. If he's, not, if he's not performing week in, week yeah, out exactly. for Galatasaray. Yeah. It, it will not be as warm of a welcome. But, I mean, that's a brilliant signing for them. And you look at that squad, and we'll break down their Champions League qualifier to come up against MOLDA. But that squad's got some interesting pieces in it. Coming off of their first league title in four years. And, and now you've got Ziyech, you've got Icardi, you've got Angelino playing at left back. It's an interesting side.
2: It's a massively stacked side, isn't it, this Galatasaray team. and there's, We don't know if Zaha will play today, but just looking at who they've got, Nigel, you've got to expect they're going to get past this MOLDA side.
3: They're making a statement. You know, the players that they're signing there, you've already said the names, they're trying to make a statement. There, You know, Galatasaray are a very big club. You talk about worldwide fan base. They have a massive worldwide fan base. They've been sitting in the shadow in, in the sense of other European clubs, what clubs are doing now. You look at Club Ruger from Belgium, how these clubs are playing Champions League football. They're trying to make a statement to really get back into the big leagues in the sense of uh, Champions League football.
2: And they're in some good form as well, Galatasaray. Five clean sheets in their last matches as well. What a special atmosphere it will be if they can get to the Champions League groups.
1: Yeah, and not only that, I mean, I presume with this squad, you want to go even further than that. They haven't made it out of the Champions League group stage since 2014. And so they'll want to be taking steps forward. You look at Dries Mertens in that forward line. You look at Icardi up top. You have Zaha coming in. You have Angelino. You have Ziyech. All of a sudden. And, and the eternal, Fernando Muslera in goal. He will be in goal for Galatasaray for as long as I live. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I think this is a side that if, I mean, Molda's coming off of a difficult uh, qualifying uh, game against the, the, the team from the Faroe Islands, where you're like, wait, Molda, Molda's struggling and going to go into extra time with the team from the Faroes? Uh, but you, you have to imagine that Galatasaray will get through and honestly if they're a pot four team in the Champions League draw and you're a team in pot one you wouldn't want to face Galatasaray like
3: you, you want a much easier draw Zaha for me is one of the, the best signings I think that they've made because he was phenomenal for Crystal Palace okay. he was so influential and instrumental into their success and staying in the Premier League hopefully he carries on the same are you
2: surprised that they've been able to get him
3: I'm very surprised yeah. I'm so surprised that other Premier League clubs did not take Zaha on a free to take that risk, because he is that much of a good player. I remember playing against him when he first came onto the scene and you look at him, you think, oh, who's this kid? I'm going to knock him over. He is (laughs) so physically naturally strong and he's not built muscle wise, it's just his physique. But as a player as well, what he brings in the attacking sense, getting forward, he's going to be a big hit there.
2: Mm-hmm. It feels like with a lot of teams, when they've got a lot of superstars on their side, it's difficult to get them to work cohesively. That yeah. really hasn't been the case for Galatasaray. They look very good at the minute. Are you favoring them, Jordan, to go through? Yeah. yeah.
4: I think it would be silly not to favor them in, in this matchup here today. I mean, anything can happen, but this is a Galatasaray squad who has so many key pieces, especially going forward. I think it'd be I t- t- think it Guess what, puppy? Honestly, I
1: think it yeah, a... No, no, you're, not going no. From all, you're not going from all the night. Come on. And this is I'm why joking. he had
2: a <laughs> I'm definitely. doing the puppy <laughs> one. I, 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 I'm You've joking. been the
1: contrarian today. But
3: if it happens, I was serious. That's, the puppy
2: one. <laughs> That's what he did. He said, I'm actually joking if it's on my betting record. But then I did say it at one point in the day. So just give it to me anyway. Elsewhere, though, another MLS game coming up. LAFC against your Colorado. Jordan, LAFC, Very good. Mm -hmm. Colorado, not so much. What do you think we'll see? (laughs) Yeah,
4: it's been a difficult season for Colorado and I think over the past few years, People have been calling for this rapid squad to get a number nine. So what did they do in the transfer window? They finally got themselves a number nine. Rafael Navajo comes over from Brazil. And this is going to be a key piece for Robin Fraser. He has wanted this central attacking player for a long time because he wants to use the channels. He wants to use Keegan Rosenberry out wide. Calvin Harris has had some good performances as of late. And both of those players can get in a good service. But you can't rely on Diego Rubio this year because he hasn't been healthy all year and he's been playing the nine at times. I think that this is going to be a really big signing for him. Can they integrate him into this first game against LAFC? That's a huge question. They also brought in Tavares from Porto, a a six, which will then free up Connor Ronan to play a little bit higher, who has been Colorado's best player this year. Connor Ronan playing centrally. This is a task against LAFC at LAFC, which has not been a friendly place for the Rapids. Um, We'll see. They've had quite the break to integrate these pieces. But we were talking about earlier, it's hard to do when you haven't had a game. Will they be able to do it against this LAFC squad who are rolling?
3: Robin Frazier is a great manager, really Mm -hmm. great coach. But he's in a situation right now where he cannot win. I think you put any manager in that situation at that club, the Rapids, they will be having a very tough time with it. The thing I look at it is this, if Real Salt Lake can invest and get the players that they've been getting to show that they're committed to want to succeed and want to win something, what's stopping Colorado? That's, that's it. What's stopping the Rapids from really investing to show commitment to want to be successful? You know, and that's been the, for me, that they, they've been, it's, it's a tough job. It's really a tough job to have.
1: And Salt Lake have done it with six players. Colorado are doing it really with their first and bringing Navarro, the, the, the DP striker, to lead the line. But LAFC, I think they're benefiting. We, we talk about, obviously, some of the teams that have struggled with the rest element versus the rest element. I think LAFC could, after that Champions League run, they're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. They, they needed the break of League's Cup. I think we saw them come out at the start of League's Cup and look Fantastic. Smashing Juarez at home. Mm-hmm. They were 2 0 up against Monterrey, but eventually gave away the lead in that game. But I think LAFC are preparing for a strong stretch run to the season. I think even though they're off of St. Louis right now, I think seven points off with the game in hand. I still think they're looking for top spot in the Western conference host all the way through the playoffs because they can do it. Given the health, given the new signings that they've brought in yeah. themselves. I think you look at tonight against a rapid team that's bottom of the West and go, this is the beginning of our March to the end of the season.
4: And, and they kind of have to, I think there was a lot of expectation on LAFC being, could, could they be the second team in MLS to win champions league and they they fell out pretty early and this is an LAFC team who they are set up to win trophies. So they have to now be very focused in this stretch run. They have it. I think their midfield is just built for success. What Ilya Sanchez has done there at Kellen Acosta um, really allows them to advance the ball. This is a team who gets the ball and transitions quickly. It's going to be hard for Colorado. They have to stop that in in the moment it happens but then Colorado just had their goalkeeper William Yarbo just had a a knee surgery yesterday they announced it yesterday now Marco Illich just three games in MLS will most likely get the start tonight that's going to be a tough task against uh, Denny
2: Bawanga. (laughs) good luck it sure will won't it Uh, stay with us coming up next here on morning footy guess what game we're talking about Nigel you guessed it (laughs) into Miami and Cincinnati we've got predictions next
1: Underway in the round of 16, New York Red Bulls taking on FC Cincinnati. This could be absolutely insane. Yes! Cincinnati go on the road! Knock off Red Bulls! Here we go. FC Cincinnati is in the last eight. 16 action in the 2023 Lamar U.S. Open Cup. Taylor feeds Negri. He's done it. Inter-Miami goes ahead. Inter-Miami is through to the quarterfinal of a U.S. Open Cup. Coach changed last week. You get the news today for Messi. How do they perform when they are between the lines? And now it's in from Stefanelli. It's Inter-Miami smiling tonight through to the semifinal.
2: So it all comes down to tonight's game in Cincinnati. Our coverage begins for you at 6 o'clock Eastern. We've got a full crew for an hour build-up to Cincinnati and into Miami. And then Houston Dynamo taking on Rail Salt Lake, the two matches in the Open Cup semi-finals. What sort of match do you think we'll see in Cincinnati, Jordan? What kind of game are you expecting?
4: It's going to have its moments of being really open, I think, because Cincinnati is going to rely on their defensive structure. I think Botterreal is going to have to have a really good game at wing back, it, his ability to defend, but also Cincinnati want to go on the counter. They have Acosta, they have Vasquez, Botterreal playing as a wing back. That is something that they've been so effective at over the last couple of years under Pat Noonan. So they want it to, at times, be a little bit open. <laughs> Or, or take some pressure so then they can go in counterattack. So it's gonna be, I hope it's a tight game. I just wonder if Miami can hold a lead because they have shown us in the last couple of games that it's been difficult
2: for them if they go ahead. This still is not a great defensive squad. Yeah, they went through by the slimmest of margins. Do you think it's gonna be a really close game, Chris?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think you look at these last couple games against Philly and against Nashville. Even though Philly went down three 0 before half, I do think that there were moments in the game in which they were able to pressure Miami. They were able to make it difficult for them to build off from the back. They got numbers to set Sergio Busquets, and at times in the second half against Nashville, I thought Miami were under a ton of pressure. They were vulnerable from set pieces. I think I thought set every pieces. time every time Nashville got a set piece, like all right, here we go. This could be the end of the game. But I think Miami have been. A, a, under a little bit more pressure, they haven't quite created as much. I know it sounds ridiculous to say after they scored 22 goals in seven games or whatever. But they haven't quite created as much in these last couple of games. So I think they'll want to kind of get back their attacking flow. Also, will they rotate? Will they make any changes from League's Cup? Because they hardly did during the tournament.
3: Listen, Tata Martinez said it's hard to arrange yourself to play against us. Yeah, it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to work that out,
1: <laughs> is it? You've got Lionel Messi. <laughs> and Busquets, by the Sherlock way. Sherlock
3: Holmes doesn't need to work that out, does he? Yeah. going to be hard. They've got Lionel Messi, yes, of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Predictions then, Jordan? Two to one, Miami. Nigel?
3: Miami wins uh, Open Cup. Yeah, uh, yeah Miami wins. They
2: win yeah. the whole thing. In- one,
3: yeah, they
4: win the
1: whole thing. One-one after 120 minutes. Miami win on penalties.
2: Oh, wow.
4: wow! You went into with
2: detail. A, with the Miami team who's tired. That's with a back incredible. three. Wow. With Lionel three.
3: Messi, you're playing. A, okay.
2: I would love to see penalties, but like I said earlier, I just want to hear Ray Hudson call <laughs> one of Messi's goals. The coverage starts it for you at six o'clock Eastern. We'll see you tomorrow morning.